Welcome to the weekly message from Rama Family Church. It is our hope that as you listen to this message, you will come to know Jesus better and be established in your faith and equipped for the work of the ministry. You can view the sermon notes and listen online at rhema.org.au forward slash media. I mentioned a, a while ago that when I'm ministering, I was going to uh, just do uh, something along the lines of things that produce stability. And so on and off, I, I'll be doing that. So today I'm going to do another one. I mentioned that when I started that, that, you know, my belief system was not correctly formed when I was growing up. Although I was in church every week, uh, there wasn't a lot of teaching from the Bible. And so I was just, you know, circulating out amongst the world. And I was hearing a lot of things about God. And even some of the things, when they finally did say something in church, it wasn't really correct. And so I had a really different kind of belief system. Uh, my belief system uh, was like thinking that everything that happened, it was God doing it. So my, as you know, m- most of you heard the story that uh, my brother uh, died at the age of 21. He had grand mal epilepsy and had a seizure, drowned in the water. We thought God took him. You know, since then we know from the Bible what really happened through all of that. But that's just one of the things. And, and so the word of God has been so powerful in my life that my belief system has been revamped. It's been changed because of God's word, and I know many of you guys have had the same thing happen. And when our belief systems line up with the word of God, it brings stability. And so all of us as Christians, it's great to have stability. So we're going to just look into some more things along this line. So today, we're going to look into something And it's really amazing because uh, I did a little research and the Old Testament, and in particular, the book of Deuteronomy in the Old Testament, uh, from from one of the sites that I read, it's really the most read book of the Bible in history, the book of Deuteronomy. So, So that means that not just for Christians or Jews, of course the Jews would read Deuteronomy, and then the Christians, we read the Bible, but that's one of the most read books worldwide. And so the book of Deuteronomy has formed the belief systems of many people out in the world that are neither Christian or Jews. And you can see it in so many different things, even in insurance policies sometimes, the way an insurance policy is written, where, you know, God does, you know, it's an act of God when there is a cyclone. Like, let's blame God on the cyclone. (laughs) You know, various things like that. So we're just going to look into some things today. So what I'm calling this is protection and provision then and now. And as we get into it, you'll see uh, what I'm talking about. I think it's pertinent to look at protection and provision, especially in the world that we're living in. It's more and more important to know that. And so when we talk about the book of Deuteronomy, we're talking about a time that Moses was 120 years old. And so they just came through a very difficult time from Exodus. And 40 years previous, there was the law given. And then they go through their time out in the wilderness. And then 40 years later, after the wilderness experience, what happens is the book of Deuteronomy is written and it's restating the law. It's going over what happened 40 years uh, previous. So here's what the Jews, they, they refer to the book of Deuteronomy as Mishnah Hatarah, which is interpreted the repetition of the law. So Deuteronomy does not set forth a second law, but simply repeats 
and expands on the law that was given around 40 years earlier in the book of Exodus. So that's what the book of Deuteronomy is. So remember, one of the most read books, or the most read book according to what I read in the Bible. That means when people around the world read, their belief systems are formed because they read it. That is, people that believe there's a God and allow that influence from the book of Deuteronomy. So I'm going to go to Deuteronomy 28, and here's what we're going to do. We're going to look at some things. We're going to look at protection and provision that is either promised or taken from the people. So let's look at the first thing. Here's protection and provision that's promised and provided. Deuteronomy 28, verse 1, it says, If you faithfully obey the voice of the Lord your God, being careful to do all and notice all his commandments that I command you today, the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations of the earth. And all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you if you obey the voice of the Lord your God. Blessed shall you be in the city, and blessed shall you be in the field. Blessed shall be the fruit of your womb, and the fruit of your ground, and the fruit of your cattle, the increase of your herds, and the young of your flock. They didn't have factories, and they weren't making automobiles and stuff, so it was all about uh, uh, livestock and things. And, and then blessed shall be your basket and your kneading bowl. Blessed shall, be you, blessed shall you be when you come in, and blessed shall you be when you go out. So what we see there is people that kept the law, they were really blessed in every area of their life. Every area. God wants to bless us today in every area. And so they were blessed in every area if they kept the law. Now we're going to jump down to verse 15, and we're going to see protection and provision removed. So Deuteronomy 28 and verse 15, it says, But if you will not obey the voice of of the Lord your God, or be careful to do all his commandments and his statutes that I command you today, then all these curses shall come upon you and overtake you. Cursed shall you be in the city, and cursed shall you be in the field. Cursed shall you be your basket and your kneading bowl. Cursed shall be the fruit of your womb and the fruit of your ground, the increase of your herds and the young of your flock. Cursed shall you be when you come in, and cursed shall you be when you go out. The Lord will send on you curses, confusion, and frustration. And I just want to stop there. Uh, This came, the Holy Spirit brought this to my attention in the earlier service at 8.30. For Christians, it's important for us to know that confusion and frustration, frustration and all that you undertake to do, that's one of the curses of the law. So how should we talk if, I mean, if you're a Christian, should you say, I'm frustrated? Man, am I confused. I, I'm just like so confused. I mean, really, that's like talking contrary. That was like part of the curse of the law. So it's like when we talk that way, we're like signing for a package of confusion. Like there's the delivery guy's at the door, and he has a box of confusion. And we're like signing for the box. I'm, I'm confused. You know, who wants to sign for that box? You know, we, we don't have to believe for those things. We don't have to talk that way. So, uh, very seldom do I say I'm confused. Is that correct? She lives with me. Um, 
I was trying to think of something funny, but nothing came. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> so the Lord will send on you curses, confusion, and frustration in all that you undertake to do until you are destroyed and perish quickly on account of the evil of your deeds because you have forsaken me. The Lord will make the pestilence stick to you, which is sickness, until he has consumed you off the land that you are entering to take possession of it. The Lord will strike you with wasting disease and with fever, inflammation, and fiery heat, and with drought, and with blight, and with mildew. They shall pursue you until you perish. And then jumping down to verse 47, because you did not serve the Lord your God with joyfulness and gladness of heart, because of the abundance of all things. Therefore you shall serve your enemies whom the Lord will send against you in hunger and thirst and nakedness and lacking everything. And he will put a yoke of iron on your neck until he has destroyed you. Thus is the reading of the Lord. How encouraging. Have a blessed day. No. (laughs) Not the the most encouraging scripture. But so let's get back to our subject matter here, which is protection and provision then and now. So here's a question. How was protection and provision attained, and how was it lost? And the answer is like this. It was attained by works or good deeds, performance, we could say. Obedience is another way to say it. You know, the, their behavior, their obedience. And then how was it lost? It was lost by a lack of works or performance or good deeds or disobedience. So that's how the blessing came, and that's how the blessing was removed. So going back to something I started a few weeks ago, or the one, I, I, maybe now it's longer than that, but you remember these phrases that we were looking into. You never know what God is going to do. God's ways are mysterious. God punished him or her for their sin. God gave them that sickness to teach them something. That is the cross God gave them to carry. God is humbling them and making them suffer. How could God allow this? Is there If there is a God, why is there war, killing, and famine? That happened to them because they are out of God's will. And so we were looking into those various things. Now, what we just read in the book of Deuteronomy, there's two of those in particular that I want to pull out today and discuss them a little bit, go a little bit deeper on them. So that is this, that God punished him or her for their sin based on what we just read in Deuteronomy, or God gave them that sickness to teach them something. So those kind of statements are out in the world because if Deuteronomy has been such a well-read book out there amongst not just Christians and Jews, but amongst many people, then there is a mindset and there is a, a set of beliefs that are out there that when something bad happens, that it's because you did something bad and God is doing something bad to you. Or sometimes people just say, well, I'm just confused. I, I was doing everything right, and then this happened, and there's all of those kind of things that go on. So we're just going to look into this a little bit deeper today. So we know this, that the Old Testament is a different covenant than what we have. So we're, if you're a Christian, you're in the New Testament, right? But if someone kept all the points of the law in the Old Testament, God in turn prospered them and kept sickness off of them. They had to do something to have that, okay? It was totally based on their performance. They concentrated on the do's and the do-nots. God protected and provided for them if they did all the do's 
and they did not do the don'ts, okay? God kept sickness off of them. In a sense, you could say God kept the devil off of them. Or it could have been the other way around. God allowed it because they were disobedient. He allowed it. He allowed uh, things to come on them. So the belief system of many human beings has been formed by this thought pattern. You could say if we do good, we get good. And if we do bad, we get bad. Okay? So here's a question. What about now? How does it work now? What is our part? And what is God's part? And I'm glad you guys asked all those questions. So let's, let's see if we can answer some of them. Okay, so number one, here's the first thing we want to look at. We're going to look at four things today. One, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law. So this is the starting place. And we're going to actually, instead of looking at Galatians, where that is, I'm going to look at Deuteronomy and look at this because it's important to see this to answer or to, to establish this. Deuteronomy 11.26, it says, See, I am setting before you today a blessing and a curse. The blessing, if you obey the commandments of the Lord your God, and the curse, if you do not obey the commandments of the Lord your God. So the Old Testament laws had blessing and cursing. First you obey and God blesses, or first you disobey and then God curses. That's the way the Old Testament was with the law. Now go into the book of Galatians, because here's what we want to see. We're living in the New Testament. In Galatians chapter 3 and verse 13, it says, Christ redeemed us from the, the law, from the curse of the law, excuse me, by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree. So that in Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles so that we might receive the promised spirit through faith. So when we read that, what are we reading? Well, it's simply that we have freely received redemption and we are redeemed from the curse of the law. Which means, and sometimes, uh, we're, and just we're, as we go through this, I'll cover some things to make sure there's no confusion with certain areas, but I'm going to make a statement, and it it's, might seem strong to you, but according to what we read, it's a true statement. This means that we are not cursed when we do bad. And I'll explain it more later. But much of the world, and I've talked to people, not Christians. Have you ever talked to somebody that isn't a Christian and you want to help lead them to the Lord? And have they not said, well, I believe I'm a good person. And I, I believe, you know, that I help people. And I, I, you know, I do good things. I've given money to Red Cross or, you know, I, I've give, you've given money somewhere. And I've, I helped people. I helped an elderly person cross the street. I helped an elderly person carry their groceries. And, all, and, and, and they think because they've done something like that, it's going to get them into heaven. And they think that way, and they're not Christian, and they're not Jewish, but where do they get those thoughts from? And much of the world does think that way. And so based on the scripture we just read, that you're redeemed from the curse of the law, we would have to say that once you receive Jesus Christ as Lord, it's not the right way to think if you do bad 
you're going to have something bad happen. Now, let's do a little explaining here. If you're a born-again Christian and you're living a good Christian life and you're living holy and you get in your car and go 150 kilometers down a street that has a speed limit of 60 kilometers and there's a sharp bend in the road and you go off the road, say, it's in, say you're on a mountain and you go off the side of a mountain and your car explodes on the way down and you burn up. How's that for describing my... And then you think, well, look what God did. I mean, th that's stupidity, driving 150 kilometers down a road, and so don't blame that on God. And, and so you do see that wrong decisions can cause wrong things to happen, but that's not God cursing us, that's stupidity. Is it okay to say that? And so I like to drive the speed limit. Like, just telling on myself, I lived in Singapore before we moved here for four years, and it seems like there was never any supervision on the roads in Singapore. I never got a ticket, ever, and I broke the speed limit, and I just moved over to Australia after four years in Singapore, and within a few months, I had 11 points on my driver's license. <laughs> so I've been here 16 years. I've been at zero, everyone. I've been at zero for a while. You know, I've learned my lesson. Don't mess around in Australia. <laughs> the police are here. They are present. <laughs> but um, but I, I, you know, when I broke the speed limit, it was only maybe going 10 kilometers or so. It wasn't like I was going 150 kilometers, etc. All right, so what, what are we saying? Our decisions can have consequences, but that's not God cursing us, and it's important to know that. So we could say this about the Old Testament, you know, the focus, like what were they focusing on, and then what would we focus on? So then, back then, the focus was to know every law and to do every law. But what about now? So the focus now is to, first of all, understand the finished work of Christ. What did Jesus Christ do for us? He did a work and he finished it. And then because of that, we can, be, as a Christian, we're, the Bible says that we're in Christ. And so what we want to do is we want to know what belongs to us when we're in Christ. Who are we in Christ? What do we have? Those are important things to know that. And then how do we apply it? How do we apply who we are in Christ? How does that work in our lives? How do we possess the promises of God? And I know most of you know a lot of these things. And then also, we want to make sure now that we don't fall back into legal, the legalism that was then. Because uh, it's interesting how Christians can invent new forms of legalism. Good born-again Christians, and they, they, get, they get delivered out of the legalism, but then they create their own legalism. I, I did it. That's why I can say that with such confidence. <clears throat> back when, uh, this is in 1981, and my brother Joe and myself, we moved a thousand miles to go to Bible school. We got an apartment, and we had a minimalist mentality, which I was thinking we may have been the first minimalist. That's a long time ago, 1981. So we moved into an apartment. I said, we said, we're not wasting our money on anything. We're here to go to Bible school. We're serious. We're just going to pray. You know, so we didn't get a bed. We, you know, we slept on like mats. Now, my parents came down to check on us, and they came into our apartment and go, what is this? And they made us go out and buy beds and furniture and stuff like that. They went with us and said, you're, you're not going to do this. But it was a good intention, but so we're in, we're like this minimalist thing, 
and we had this window that looked right at the swimming pool at our apartment complex, and all these young people and older people, they were out swimming and having fun. I said, Joe, let's start a fast. It was right in the middle of the summer. And let's just pray and fast and read our Bibles and pray all day. And he said, okay. He didn't look real, you know, happy about that. We went, I don't know how many hours we went. I don't think we, you know, in the first service, I don't know if I said it, I don't think we made it through the first day. You know, but it's like, that's what I thought would please God. But we couldn't do it. So my brother finally said, I'm going to McDonald's and getting a hamburger, and, I, and I'm going swimming. But you can create, like, your own legalistic system, and then guilt and condemnation comes on you, and you're dissatisfied with yourself, and that's what happens. So it's important that we don't fall back under that. So, like... I used to say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get up in the morning and pray for an hour, then I'm going to read my Bible for an hour. I, I did that early on, and I realized I didn't have time to do that, and I wasn't able to do that. And I finally had to, it took me a while, because uh, I had OCD tendencies when I got saved, and it took a while. There, most of them were gone. She's sitting right there. <laughs> I don't claim that. I'm not signing for the package of OCD. But because of that, and the way that I leaned in that area, then I put, these rest- I put these real high demands on myself, and I created legalistic things that really made me feel bad about myself. It's important that we don't fall into that stuff. I'm not saying that just, like, not ever read the Bible or pray, but we just have to be, like, understand how to get into our own groove and, and not allow legalism to come back in. I trust that makes sense. So that's the first thing, which leads us to the second thing, and that's this. All spiritual blessings are gifted to us. So we're we're looking into this thing about today, protection and provision today versus then. So here's another thing. We're, We're redeemed from the curse of the law. And so here's the second thing. All spiritual blessings are gifted to us. Ephesians 1, 3 Blessed is the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who did bless us in every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. So notice that, that all things of the Spirit are gifts to us. Salvation is a gift. We're saved by grace, through faith, and not by works, lest any man should boast. God made it so we can't take credit for our salvation. It's completely free. It's a gift. When we are saved, the Holy Spirit, we receive the Holy Spirit in every aspect of the Holy Spirit. So when we're saved, we're washed and cleansed of sin and we're regenerated or made alive. The Holy Spirit comes on the inside of us. It's all a gift. Nothing we ever did could get us that. When we are filled with the Holy Spirit, and speak in tongues, which I'm one of those. And I think many of you that have been around for a while know that I'm filled with the Spirit, and I speak in tongues, and I'm not weird. Okay? It doesn't make you weird. And it's very beneficial. And I won't be apologetic about it. It's a very beneficial thing. I encourage everyone, be filled with the Spirit and speak in tongues. It's awesome. Okay? But that's all a gift. And then the Bible, there's nine gifts of the Spirit. All free. They're gifts. 
We, we can't earn them. We can't work for them. The Bible says to pray and desire them, but we can't earn them. They're gifts of the Spirit, nine of them. Then there is the five-fold ministry gifts, and that's why they're called ministry gifts, because they're free. All things of the Spirit are free, and we can't earn them. So what does this have to do with, like, protection and provision, like getting on this particular point about all things of the Spirit are free? Well, here's why, because material things that we need. So could you agree with me that, like, physical healing in our body is, in a sense, our body's physical, and so it's material. But where does it start? So when somebody gets a revelation about uh, Jesus Christ took our sin on the on the cross, but he also took stripes on his back so we could be healed. When that becomes a spiritual revelation, it starts on the inside, but what happens on the inside when we have that revelation and we we say, I'm going to receive my healing by faith, by the stripes of Jesus I'm healed, it manifests in the physical. And so that's why that all things spiritual are gifted to us, but when you have all things spiritual gifted, it means things will change in the natural, in the material realm. So people uh, that have an understanding that God wants to meet all of their needs, well, that ha- if, if you get an understanding from the Bible that God wants to meet your physical needs, like f- a job and food on the table and all of that stuff, if you get that in the spirit realm, then you're going to pray for it, and it, you'll pray in the realm of the spirit, but it will, it will happen in the natural realm, the material realm. So that's why it's important for us to know we're redeemed from the curse of the law, and then all things are gifted to us. All things spiritual are gifted to us. Um, there's two things that we could say uh, concerning the grace of God and, and th- that are not good. And that's number one for us. We may be unaware that the grace of God is available, and, and sometimes we'll do that, or we may frustrate the grace of God. And all Christians can do that. You can frustrate the grace of God or you might not even know it's available for you. And I've done it. That's why I can stand up here and say that with confidence. And so how do you frustrate the grace of God? Well, it means that you would believe and talk contrary to what that grace is for. So here's what I did, you know, uh, in my life. I received Jesus Christ as Lord and then in the privacy of my bedroom, really quickly after I got saved, I told the Lord, because I was so thrilled about being saved, but I said, Lord, I love you, and I'll do anything for you, but I will not be a preacher. That is one no. And he didn't listen to that. But when I was in school, and we would have, and I know schools probably change nowadays, but this is a long time ago, we would have to get up and give a report. And any time I had a class where I had to give a report, I couldn't talk, speak in public, and so it brought... I, I flunked out of that. We, we used to have A, B, C, D, A, B, C, D, and F. There was no E in there. And I, would, I got an F for speaking, and then it brought my grade a average down. So even if I was doing good in class on, a, on a, like a t- the questions, if I had to speak, it brought, got an F, and then it brought my average down to a C or something like that because I couldn't speak in public. So I hated it. I hated public speaking, and I could not do it. And so then... I get saved, and then for some reason, uh, you know, the Lord says to go to Bible school, and on, 
just before I go to Bible school, the church I was going to, the pastor of that church asked me if I would speak on a Sunday night. And I was leaving the next day for Bible school. And I thought, why is he asking me to speak? Haven't even gone to Bible school yet. <laughs> you know? And so I got up to speak. And, and unfortunately, my football team was playing that day. And I hated speaking. So I watched football all day. I kind of had a concordance on the floor in my Bible. So my parents thought I was studying because I was at their house. But I watched football all day. And it was, it was really bad. Some of you heard the story. My, oldest, my older brother had a little baby that never caused trouble in church. And, and, he, and he said, hey, Tony, you're the first one to put my baby to sleep during church. Thank you. <laughs> it was an e easy night. <laughs> didn't go well because I didn't really care. And, um, <clears throat> but I could have easily thought it was God's will that I was terrible <laughs> at that. But it, it wasn't God. He wasn't involved. I was just not. I was frustrating the grace of God. And you can frustrate the grace of God because God's grace is there to help us. But if we don't believe the right thing about it and we don't say the right thing. So this continued to happen. So then I went over to Bible school and I, I was in a singing group and we would travel across the USA and go to churches. And, I, and I, they would ask me to preach like the manager of the group would say, you're up and and I'd get up and it wouldn't be good. And then I'd get in the bus and I'd tell my fellow ones in the group, you, you might be able to do it, but I can't. So I, I was like saying, I can't. But if there's grace there to do it and you believe you can't, you're frustrating the grace. And I would say things like, oh, you guys are so good and I'm lousy. But if there's grace there, I wasn't mixing faith with grace. There was grace there, but I was frustrating the grace because I believed the wrong thing and said the wrong thing about it. And so we can do that in all kind of areas where we frustrate the grace of God. And then we can say, oh God, God must have made me inferior. God made me inferior. I'm Italian. And you know, God's against the Italians. You know, and, and that's why I, yeah, I'm just, you know, just kidding around there, but you know what I'm saying. We can come up with all theories and he's given us all things. And so I had to get that right. I trust that's making sense. Another thing, you know, there's grace for so many things, but, you, you know, there's people that just start saying things and they don't realize that they're saying them. Where, like, have, you know, if you have anything that you're saying, examine what you say. If you say, well, every time I do that, something bad happens. Well, you might want to stop saying that. Very, and I can go on and on about all those kind of things. Examine what you're believing and saying about different areas, okay? So back then, you know, there was a way to approach God now, but there was a way to approach God then. So approaching him now, if you approach God now based on your works, that's considered boasting and self-righteousness. That's another thing that's really important. So if you go to God and say, I've been going to church steady, I'm serving at church, and I'm sick, and I expect you to heal me because I'm a good Christian. That's like approaching him based on your works. That's not how we approach God now. Maybe in the Old Covenant, you could approach God based on your works, but that's not how we approach Him. It's important to know how to approach God, okay? So that's what we're looking at this for. Approaching Him, the way we do it now, is according to His finished works. That's how we approach Him. You want to approach God based on what Jesus did and not what you're doing. That's how we make the connection. So I, I made a, you know, a graphic and... 
I'm in the infant stage of making graphics, as you will see here. How's that? And uh, so what you see here is the law, and people that were with the law, they, they had no living relationship with God because they weren't born again in the life of God. Their spiritual were actually dead, and so they had no living relationship with God, and protection and provision was by works. But then, for us Christians, and notice I put the one for Christians because we're elevated, we're seated in heavenly places, we're seated in Christ, we have a living relationship with God, and we have access by faith. It isn't with our works, but it's access by faith, and protection and provision it's by believing God. And it's important because like some people wait and they go, well, I'm just waiting for God. And it's like, he's waiting for us. You know, there's, it, when we really get into the word, we want to learn what God's responsibilities are and what our responsibilities are. And they're different from the Old Testament to the New. And it's, you know, a, a little side thought, even when it comes to the sovereignty of God, what areas are God's, is God sovereign in, but what areas did he already say, hey, I did this for you, and now it's up to you. And it's really important to distinguish those things because some things are bought and paid for, and they've been promised to us, and we can possess those things that are bought and paid for. Now, there's sovereign things like, I don't know when Jesus is coming back. No man does know that, and that's because God is sovereign, and he'll send his son back to the earth when he wants to. So it's important to distinguish all of those different things. All right, so just before we look at the last one real quickly, um, I want to make sure that there's no misunderstanding here. Uh, so here's one scripture concerning our behavior and performance and works in Romans chapter 6. And, so, and before you put that up there, I'd like to say this about that. Somebody once said, and I don't remember who the person is, but if you really teach grace properly, there's, there can be misunderstandings that must be clarified. Well, I think it even happened from the Bible, because look at this in Romans 6, 1. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin live in it? And so I just wanted to make sure that's clear when I say that if you do bad, you get bad, but we're redeemed from the curse of the law. So we are redeemed from the curse of the law, but that doesn't mean when we become a Christian and we have grace that we throw off all restraint and think, oh, you know, now I can just do anything I want. No, the, the Bible actually says in the book of Timothy, I believe, or Titus, that the grace of God teaches us. It teaches us to live holy and righteous. And so it, it, it is a process, and, and so I'm not saying that, but we have to still not have the mindset. When, if, if there's somebody listening to me and you have a habit, and you really don't want to have that habit, and you want out of it, God knows. And God knows that you're not happy, and he knows that you need help. And don't run away from God. But at the same time, you know, because he knows your heart, and he knows you don't want to continue in that, and, and he will help you, uh, you can't have this mindset, well, something bad is going to happen to me. You need to run to him and and let him help you. Does that make sense? And thank God that he's so merciful in that area. So I, I trust that that's clear there. So let's look at the fourth one. Number four, we keep the devil off of ourselves. Now that's a big one, and it's bold to say that, but 1 Peter 5 and verse 8, it says, be sober-minded, be watchful. 
your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Resist him firm with your physical strength. Resist him firm with your brilliant brain. Resist him firm with your cool clothes. No, I'm just going. <laughs> resist him firm. Re- resist him firm in your faith. It's, it's none of the other things, especially clothes. But knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. So here, here, here's the thing. In the Old Testament, if you did everything right, God kept the devil off people. It was their behavior and their performance. God kept the devil off of people. And so sometimes Christians, if, they don't, if we don't study, what we'll, we'll think is like, well, I'm a Christian and I'm, I'm really good and I'm serving, but it's like the devil's bothering me. And we think, well, I'm waiting for God to do something about that. But what we see here, and this is what's really important, God's said you do something about it. And see, we have spiritual authority. Every, you might say, well, I'm just a baby Christian. As soon as you receive Jesus Christ, you got seated in a heavenly place and you have spiritual authority. It's a matter of learning how to use it. But you can resist the devil. Every Christian can resist the devil. So we could say this, under the law, good deeds or works kept the devil off. If someone could keep the law, which very few could, then God protected and provided for them. Under grace, the devil, and this is what the Bible says, he's looking for someone to devour, and we're told to resist him. So you understand why this is so important to understand this, because Christians will just sit back and they'll just see, well, whatever comes to me, I'm going to wake up in the morning and see what God has for me. And you know, when you wake up in the morning, the devil has some things that he wants to do too. And it's really important. And then if something goes not so good and you think, well, I guess that's what God had for me today. No, because it's very clear in the Bible that God wants to bless us. He wants to protect us. He wants to provide for us. That's what he wants for us. And when something is contrary to that, it's not God doing that. And there's times that we just need to resist the devil. So just to finish up today, here's just a quick summary for everyone. If if you're listening online or if you're here, and you have not yet received Jesus Christ as Lord, if you want things to change, the best first thing to do is receive Jesus Christ as Lord. When that happens, there's two things that automatically happen. We're going to be cleansed of sin. We're cleansed of our sin. That's automatic. We become a new creature in Christ. Automatic. There's nothing we have to do there. God does it. But then after that, we want to learn who we are in Christ, and we want to make sure we do not let our great liberty, and the Bible says... Do not let your liberty be spoken of evil. That's meaning that because we're under grace that we still need to make sure that we just don't go out and live like the world. And so uh, we're not to continue in sin that grace may abound. And then visit the throne room often for both mercy and grace. You know that song that we sang about his, his goodness is running after us? Like if, his, if he's running after us with goodness, then we don't want to run away from him. We want to run to him. And the best way to run to him is like visit the throne room because there is mercy and grace. There mercy is what you need when you mess, mess up. But grace is God's ability. There's saving grace. There's serving grace. Uh, there's living grace. The, live victorious. Go to the throne room often. And then knowing this covenant that we're talking about, this new covenant, it's a faith covenant. It's by his grace through faith that we do this covenant. And then resist the devil. 
We're, we're not to wait for God. He told us to resist the devil and speak to your mountain. Those are just like a little summary, a little roadmap of Christianity. If you could just do a few bullet points. I'm going to pray for you guys. And then uh, Kenzie will come. And if you're here, you're going to have an opportunity to receive Jesus Christ as Lord. Father, I thank you for each person here. Father, I pray that what was ministered today, I pray that there would be a clarity that we would, uh, as a church family, be able to rightly divide the word of God, to understand the different covenants, to understand God's part, our part, Father, that there would be clarity, that we can walk the Christian walk without confusion, that there would be great clarity, Father, and understanding in your word. And I thank you for that in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. If you would like more information or resources on this or other topics, or if you would like to sow into this ministry financially to help us share messages just like this one each week, please visit our website at brainer.org.au.